welcome to Crime on Prime Time. I'm your host, Kinsey Huseman, and I'm here with my two best friends. Howdy, y'all. It's Aaron. And Malik. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was close. It was close. Also, this episode is gonna come out on Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day to everyone. And shout out to the people who are single, like your boy. Valentine's Day is my favorite holiday. Uh, I've never celebrated it. I have loved it even when I was single. It's just a great holiday. Everyone's in love. You do nice things for each other. It's just another day at the office, Kins. It's just another day. No, 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 no. No, no, Like 4th of July, like your birthday. It's just another day. No. First off, I love celebrating my birthday. I love to celebrate things. I love 4th of July. That's a fun one. All the fireworks. Little backyard barbecue action. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyways... But yeah, so happy Valentine's Day out there to all the Crime on Prime Time listeners. Sadly, um, this is not going to be a love story. Oh. We're still in that era of of dark true crime stories. Or sad. I mean, they're all sad true crime stories, but I guess what I'm saying is our, our days of biographies on people of history and history lessons um they'll come around again but the next few weeks we're just they're gonna be some heavy episodes so sorry to bring everyone down on this valentine's day there's a little bit of love story in it though oh really yeah it's really sad we'll get into it but all right are we ready to discuss the episode for this week oh yeah we watched the OG Law and Order. What do y'all think of the OG Law and Order? Mm. Why? Uh, y'all already know I'm not a big fan of the old like criminal intent, uh, regular Law and Order. I like regular Law and Order. Um, Jack McCoy, he's amazing. The detectives he's- were great. Mm-mm. Is it in New York? Like SVU? Yeah. Yes, also in New York. In fact, you know they brought new... Yeah, there's a bunch of crossovers. In the new season two, or season because 24, there's back... crossovers. Yeah, because they brought back OG Law & Order. Mm-hmm. It took a hiatus. And honestly, every time we watch a Law & Order episode, I look at the guy that plays Jack McCoy... And I'm like, man, this guy looks old. He's still in the new episodes. I'm like, man, this guy is old. He would looked old back then. He really looks old now. Damn, Kins. Hurtful. I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, he Dang. looks great. He's a great actor, great guy, I'm sure, I hope. But it's just, he just, he's old. Hey, you give us a couple years, Kins. People will be saying that about us. You're the one that said anyone from the 80s is about to die. I mean, possibly, yeah. I was out with my coworkers the other night, 
one of them was born in 87. She's only 34. I think we were 10 years apart. Hey, go ahead. Hey, look, get her, get her gravestone. Go ahead. (laughs) My God. (laughs) Highlights for this episode, because no one, I watched the episode, did not take notes. So there was a mass shooting in Central Park where only women were targeted. The gun was a semi-automatic that was converted to an automatic weapon. To do that, you have to buy a kit that costs $50. In all of this, they track down who they think their suspect is, and it's Dennis Trope. And he was a paramedic that was trying to become a doctor, but he, he got rejected, and he felt like it was women's fault because they got in and he didn't, and they don't deserve it because misogyny. Like, why, why else? So what's actually kind of funny is that when they track him down, he runs because he's an idiot and he pulls out a gun and he puts it to his head and they're like, no, no, don't shoot yourself. Well, some biker comes around the corner and hits him and the gun goes off. Hey, superhero, man. And it skims his head. And then Detective Green gets on top of him and it was like, say the magic words, say the magic words, pointing his gun at him and Dennis was like, I need a doctor. I need help. I'm shot. He's like, it's just a grazer. Be fine. Say the magic words. And he's like, get off me. I need help. And he's like, say the magic words. You killed the girls. Say it. And and then his partner pulled him off and was like, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, I was about to say. I was like, oh. Also, Dennis's mom was watching this whole time. So. Oh, no. Good look for the NYPD. Yep. Yeah. So they take him to, you know, interrogation. I mean, they take him to the doctor. He's going to be fine. It was just a graze. Then they take him to interrogation. And the mom was like, and they told the mom, hey, he's getting medical attention. It will be fine. And the mom's like, I'm coming back with a lawyer. Make sure that crazy cop stays away from my son. And they're like, sure, sure, sure. So they go and interrogate him while the mom's gone getting Mm -hmm. a lawyer. And the Detective Green, you know, did his interrogation thing where he was like, I hate women too. They deserve it all. That guy's like, yeah, you get me. And he's like, yeah, I know it. I get you. That's why you shot them, right? And he's like, yes. So he confesses to the old thing. Also, he's crying during the whole thing. This guy's a wuss and a coward. (laughs) And essentially, you know, he hates women. I'm pretty sure he hates his mom too, but he was, you know, he still lived with his mom. It explains a lot. So in the midst of all of this investigating, because they really have nothing. So they have his confession. I'm pretty sure it got thrown out because of coercion or, or something. And, oh, he told him where his bloody clothes were in that confession. Well, because they threw out the confession, they threw out the bloody clothes. So all they had was the gun that tied him to it. But they didn't really have any trace on him buying the gun because he put it under an old lady's name. So then they're like, well, that's out. So then they're like, how are we going to prove that this guy shot these women? And so he like messed with the, the barrel of the gun so they couldn't match the ballistics report. He had no gunpowder on him, fingerprints, nothing. So then they're like, okay, let's prove that he was the one that bought the kit that transformed the semi-automatic into an automatic. Let's do it that way. And so 
they go to the guy that sold the kit at a convention and the guy you know they're kind of busting his balls because they're like yeah you really shouldn't be doing this and he's like freedom of speech baby second amendment baby and really and then he said something as they were leaving like he identified dennis as the one that bought the kit and as they were leaving he said you know the manufacturer like it's so easy to convert it and all they would have to do to stop us is pay 10 more dollars per gun and like you wouldn't be able to convert it it's really easy and they obviously like it's very obvious like this is the problem like there's a defect allowing us to do this and they were like huh okay so somehow like this all gets they have no case they have no case they're trying to get the gun manufacturer to help with the case they're like hey if you can like give us your like schematics or something we'll be able to put this guy away and they're like no can't do that trade secrets and they're like excuse me trade secrets on a gun and they're like no no can't do no can't help you and they were like okay we're gonna subpoena you and then they have a lot of bigger lawyers and they're like okay this is gonna take way too long so they had to make a deal with dennis because they had like no juice and if the subpoena came back before the trial started then like they they would like he would probably go free so they made a deal and he got 25. So they made a deal with Dennis, but Jack McCoy is still pissed because he's really mad at this gun manufacturer because if they just would have helped, this guy would have gone away for life. I mean, damn it, he killed 15 people. He should get more than 25 years. And all the families are pissed too because rightfully so, he should get more than 25 years. So Jack McCoy's like, I'm going after the gun manufacturer. They're negligent for these deaths. And everyone's like, are you kidding? You can't do that. And he's like, watch me, bitch. So he sues the gun manufacturer. This was not, I mean, it kind of goes well. He's basically saying like they were, they knew that their gun had this defect that made it really easy for it to be an automatic weapon. And they didn't do anything about it when they should have. And they found an employee in their sales department who was laid off. And that employee ended up giving him like this email that's basically said the gun manufacturer knew that there was a defect, but they didn't want to fix it because they thought it increased their sales. If people knew they could convert it to an automatic weapon easily. But that also got thrown out because that was because CC'd on that little memo was a lawyer, so it was confidential. This man got like blocked at every turn because also he tried to do this and then the judge was like, hell no, you can't do this. And so Jack went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court was like, fine, you can do it. And then the judge was like, okay, but I'm gonna make it really freaking hard and set unrealistic standards that you have to meet if we're gonna do this. So Jack tried his hardest in that trial, he really did and he put so like the head of the gun manufacturer you know put it on was put on the stand and basically said like you know we don't love the line of work we're in but it's america we can be in any line and of course we don't mean for anyone to get killed with guns but you know we can't control that yada 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 
Jack put Dennis Trope on the stand and he explained how he converted the gun in 30 minutes. That's all it took and how easy it was. And then in the closing arguments, Jack was basically did this thing where he took the bullets and he was like, this is how many bullets it would have been if like he just fired semi-automatic and it wasn't like that many. And then he was like, this is how many bullets it would have been if when he, or how many bullets it was because he converted it to an automatic weapon. And it was so many bullets. It just kept going and going and hitting the floor and made a statement. And even a mom in the crowd started crying at it. It was very sad and very dramatic. It was a good point to make. And the jury of peers came back and said that the gun manufacturer was guilty in negligence. But the judge was like, okay, but you didn't meet those standards that I set for you. So this case is dismissed. Damn, bitch. And then and then Jack got really mad in court, and then the judge was basically like, "Listen, I don't agree with this either. I don't like the violence either. But you can't. This isn't the way to stop it. Putting him in, putting this guy in jail is not going to stop it. You have to do it another way. Go argue like gun legislation. Like don't do it this way. And and that's kind of just how the episode ends." Hmm. Sound like an interesting uh, episode there, Kins. It was a very interesting episode. I highly recommend it. Where'd you watch it? On the internet. Oh. <laughs> I watched it on the internet. Who knows, people? We might see Kins on one of these podcasts talking about her. Mm-hmm. Watching it on a certain internet website. So... It was a very good episode. And actually, this episode combined two different, you know, real life stories. And it was really hard to choose which one I was going to go because it was two very distinct stories. One was about, uh, it happened in um, Canada at like a college or i'm sorry i i briefly skimmed it what did you say it happened what canada canada yeah how did you say canada 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 i don't know I, where you're from sometimes <laughs> I, I, all i see is malik's face canada it's really funny when i sit in meetings sometimes and i say y'all mm. And then everyone pauses, but it's so natural to me that I don't know why everyone's pausing. And they're like, y'all, I'm like, I'm I'm sorry. All right. I'm from the South. That's normal business practices. You all. I still say y'all. I don't care. Anyway, so it's based on two distinct stories. One came from Canada in a school where a guy went on a shooting rampage and he only looked for women. It was very much an anti, in fact, he said this was an anti-feminist movement and he walked into it like an engineering class. Forgive me if I don't have all the details. Like I said, I skimmed and he separated the women from the men and let the men go and shot the women. Oh, um, so like that was a distinct part of the episode. Essentially the first half of the episode was all about that shooting. The second half of the episode was all about 
the shooting that I am going to talk about. I hope one day that I can do the first shooting and do it more justice than that brief. Um, because I do feel like it's a story that needs to be talked about. But for those of you listening and you know that real story and you're like, okay, but this episode's based off of that shooting. It's literally 50-50 on what this episode was based on. Dick Wolf literally took two mass shootings and put them together in an episode. So I let Dalton pick. That's how we got to this conclusion. So listeners, don't get mad at me. Get mad at Dalton. Get mad at Dalton if you felt like the other story should have been told. I didn't know which one to pick. But I hadn't heard of this mass shooting in America. And we will be talking about mass shootings. We will be talking about gun laws. I will will try not to... (laughs) Be biased? Be biased. Give an opinion? In my opinions. (laughs) Of of that, Ken's isn't the problem. Me and Avrod are the problem. We know. I mean, I might let it slip. I'm not against it because I feel like we're all on the same page with it. But we shall see. I mean, good things came out of this mass shooting, and it's the one and only time I think change actually came out of a mass shooting. So let's talk about the 101 California Street mass shooting. Do you know this one? See. You do? Nope. Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard about this one. I just know it's one of them. We did like a shooter. What is it called? I don't know. The word spelled craze. C-R-A-S-E. It was for like shootings and stuff. At work? Like what to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah, because this was one. This was like the first high rise shooting. Damn, my school needs to step it up. I had never heard of that. I hadn't heard of Craze either. Malik, would you like to spell out the letters? What the Craze training? C R A S E. Do you know what? What does it stand like? What does each letter stand for? Oh, let me let me. Obviously, someone was not paying attention. Oh, civilian (laughs) F yeah. Civilian response to active shooter events. I'm glad you paid attention. Mm-hmm. I was listening. Hey, man, I had to listen. Looks bad if I don't. All right. It was kind of funny because the moral of the story was you're pretty much either it's like you're you're gonna probably die. That's what they taught you. you just, <laughs> that's that's pretty much you can hide, just get try and get out of the way, run the opposite direction of other people. But there's not really much training you can get. Oh yeah. Run the opposite direction of other people? Aren't yeah, aren't they running you know, away gonna, from the shooter? Well, think about it this way. So the shooter's gonna shoot where he can get the most people. So you wanna run opposite of where the most people are. What if the opposite Does is towards the shooter? Still. Just obviously I want to run straight at him. That'd be stupid. No, I think but he run, meant run away. Run away from run the away. crowd. Yeah, not run so the if opposite. the crowd is going to the left exit, you should go to the right exit because the mass shooter wants to kill as many people as possible. Does that make sense? Yes. That was probably the biggest, like, helpful tip. The rest of them were don't hide. Hiding stupid. Really? This is all new. Yeah. yeah. Hiding, hiding stupid unless it's, like, your only, literally your only option because they're going to come find you. If you're just hiding. Wow. And then, yeah, like I said, going the opposite direction. And then 
last but not least, coming up with a plan if there's only one way. <clears throat> if you have to, if you're gonna end up having to fight. Man, I'm sprinting. Look, I tell yeah, you. But hiding is is the worst thing. You I, can this do. is all new information. To be honest, I thought that's. I mean, when we were in school, they when we did duck and cover drills. Yeah, he said things, that was stupid. We things are obvious. You don't want to like max mass exit toward the same spot. But if you're just hiding in a classroom, I mean, they can get into it. It's not like they can't get into the classroom. Yeah, I remember talking about, I remember those drills because we all had to hide where they couldn't see through the window, thinking, with the thinking that, like, yeah. if they look through the window, then they would see an empty classroom. Yeah. See, here was my thing about that the whole time was, well, first off, we actually had to happen when we were in high school where we had to hide. I've had to do But where yeah. do you, I've had to do like, it. where would the, where do people think the shoot like what do you, a shooter's not that stupid right you would know if 500 kids just left the high Walked school out. why would yeah. Every, yeah why would every single classroom just be empty all of a sudden well my you know? i remember having this conversation in one of my english classes cuz we were on the first floor and literally the parking lot was out the window and i was like if there's a mass shooter why aren't we just breaking the big ass window that's right here and like yep. That's what they said. Leaving. Break, like, why are we just sitting here? We Shouldn't we just leave through the window? Yeah, that's what he said. And he was like, if you're going to go in the room and lock the door, just go through the window. Yeah. Just if you don't, if you feel that, like, unsafe about it. But don't hide. Hiding's dumb. I mean, I get if you're on, like, the second floor or, floor or higher, like, kind of screwed. But, like, if you're on the first floor, I was like, I'm going out the window. You think if you're on the second floor, you can tie enough of everyone's shirts together to get to make like a rope? I I think oh, it depends how much shirt. time. <laughs> Shut up, <A-Rod. laughs> What did he say? He said, "I don't want to take off my shirt." <laughs> I think it depends where the shoot. Like that takes a lot of time, and also you would have to go like one at a time, slow, right? Yeah. So, but I mean, it's better than like I said, staying in the classroom. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know. if you're one of the first few people out, maybe it, it's a good way to go. But I mean, if if not, if you're at towards the end, you're still a sitting dog. Yeah, and it's crazy because like, we're the places that me and Malik work. Our buildings are probably one of the top populated areas on campus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, the one they like went through our building to like do like a risk assessment he literally said if someone comes in here there's a good chance most of y'all are gonna you're gonna die oh my god because there's not a there's not enough exits and on the second yeah. floor there's only one exit there's only one exit so if they block the one exit that's and it. the other one the other exit in malik's area is all the way on the track on the opposite side yeah but there's an alarm to that i mean shit, let that alarm fly <laughs> But also, you got to go to like three flights of stairs. Yeah, so. yeah. He literally, he was like, "Y'all, you're, y'all are gonna die." So, do y'all do the thing where I think I think this is a generation thing because my mom doesn't do this. But when you're in a big crowd, do you think find your exit and everywhere? Do you everywhere think about that? Like, okay, everywhere if there was a mass shooter right now, what would I do? Like, what would happen? Mm-hmm. It's not just big crowds. It's everywhere I go. Yeah. Okay. Especially in the movie theaters. If I see something sketchy, that's when I like, that's when like my anxiety starts going up a little bit. 
Yeah. Our UPD guy who did the risk assessment thing, he says his family has like a has like a word to know when it's time for them to exit. Huh. Like if there's like something sketchy about to go down or something is happening. My like mom would be an alert word. Get up. Mine would be like get up, get the fuck out. So run, y'all run. My mom. So you've Uvalde happened and then it, like the next week was Carson's graduation. It was very close. Yeah. And my mom was on the phone with someone from work. And as she was getting off of the phone, the woman was like, okay, make sure you're safe at, make sure you're safe at graduation. And my mom hung up and she was like, well, I felt like that was a weird ending. Like, I don't know what that means. Like, mom, what do you mean? You don't know what that means. I was like, means? what do you want me to do? And she was like, well, she told me to be safe. I was like, yeah, she's talking about the Uvalde shooting. She's saying like, be safe, watch your surroundings. And she was like, oh, yeah, my mind didn't even go there. And then my Brady had walked in at that point and Brady's like, you don't think about that? And I was like, yeah, mom, everywhere I go, I think about that. She's like, really? It's like, you don't think about this? But I also think it's because in school, they always had us train for it and practice for it and gotta be ready. Yeah, I mean, they obviously didn't when my mom was in the 70s. 80s when she was in school they didn't but yeah i just i think there's a generational there's this generational gap where like our generations constantly think we could be shot right now and the other generation does not ever think about how nice is that well, so they, they grew up with the serial killers and all that, mass killers. I mean, really, they, they grew up without the news. I mean, it just didn't travel that fast. Yeah. Oh, also, fun fact that we learned, hiding behind car doors is really not effective. Who's hiding behind car doors? Now, if it's your doors? only option, people getting shot at. Okay. So, if you ever have the option probably get back in the car don't hide behind the car and, and then drive or, it like i said don't. yeah all right well let's now that we've dove in to how our society is so messed up that we constantly think that we might get shot in a public place stay ready kids just be ready let's, don't be the one getting caught off guard now yeah don't have cement feet now you know, when we were in London and I went to the concert, I did have that thought. And then I was like, actually, we're in London. Guns are just banned in the UK. Mm-hmm. London, baby. Yeah, how was that trip? It's, did we yeah. talk about that? It was good. We talked we, we we talk talk about, about it later, later, but it was good. Yeah. But yeah, and then I was like, oh, look at that. I won't. There's not a chance that I might die tonight. I know. It's banned <laughs> in some places. Well, there's still a chance, you know. I mean, there people. is, but like... There's statistics to me, on how like England has does not have as like shooting is rare. Yeah, for me that's almost just as scary though. If the only people who have them are the people who have them illegally, and there's no one that's a good person who has them, if that makes sense. I guess that does make sense, but that's just almost just as frightening. Either way, yeah. All right, so let's talk about this week's story. We're talking about the 101 California Street mass shooting. It was July 1st, 1993. 
1993 was a rough year for America. They had this and the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. Well, it was happening. It was July 1st, 1993, a normal business day at the 101 California Street, 48-story glass high-rise in San Francisco. At 2.57 p.m., a man dressed in a suit and suspenders got off the elevator on the 34th floor, the workspace of the law firm Pettit and Martin. As soon as he stepped off the elevator, he started aimlessly firing. He was armed with two Tech 9 handguns and a 45 caliber semi-automatic handgun and a bag full of ammunition. The shooter first hit a glass conference room. In the conference room was 30-year-old Jody Saposado, who was sitting in a death position because she was suing her employer for discrimination. Her and her lawyer, 36-year-old Jack Berman, were killed. A court reporter and another lawyer in the room were also struck and wounded, but survived. The shooter made his way down the hallway. By now, the word was spreading that there was a shooter in the building. Every five minutes over the intercom, a message would play. This is an emergency. Stay in your office. Lock your doors. Do not leave. Do not go on the elevator. Do not go on the stairwell. We'll get back to you. Every five minutes that message played. This didn't stop people on the 34th floor, of course. An active shooter, you're not just... You're going to run. They ran to the elevator as people tried to push their way on. And people on the elevator tried to desperately close the doors. On other floors, employees barricaded the entrances and took cover. On the 24th floor, in the Merrill Lynch offices, analysts continued through a presentation while the shooter on the 34th floor fired into an office killing a lawyer. They were on the 24th? Yeah, 10 floors down. And... They did say that they didn't know something was wrong until the police showed up and told them to evacuate. I guess they missed the intercom messages above. (laughs) They were probably like, you know what? We got some time. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. Tells you how much they were paying attention to stuff at work. But remember, so this is 48 stories. Not every, this isn't just one business. True that. So there's like Mm -hmm. different businesses on different floors. Yeah. Some businesses have multiple floors, some might have one. So, mixture of of people, of offices going on. The shooter then made his way to the stairs and down to the 33rd floor, shooting as he went, and he continued to make his way down. At this point, police ambulances and helicopters had arrived on scene and closed down the financial district. The police started entering the building, however, even this was chaotic because plainclothes officers entered so people in the building started believing that there was more than one shooter and making reports to the police like calls to the police that there was more than one shooter so then the police started thinking that there was more than one shooter not realizing that they were talking about the police unorganized 
You think they would have put like a vest on that said like LAPD or something? Well, this was also, like I said, like the first high rise mass shooting. Also, mass shootings were not what commonplace like they are today. So there's not really, there wasn't any protocols in place at the time. So it, it was masses. And they were running around this building without knowing who they were looking for. Really all they had were, was a man in a suit. Well, this building was for, full of like lawyers and, you know, businessmen. I mean, it was a building full of men in business in a suit. <laughs> so that anyone yes and then they're thinking that there's more than one shooter it, it was chaos it was very chaotic but they did eventually find the man that they were looking for in the stairway between the 30th and 29th floors he had taken his own life and in total the shooting lasted for 30 minutes however it wasn't until hours later that the police cleared the building, cleared everyone, and then realized that there was only one shooter. In total, eight people lost their lives in the 101 California Street shooting. They were Jody Saposado. She had just recently had a child. Damn. Yeah. Wasn't even a year old yet. Jack Berman, he was 36. He graduated from Brown University and then from Boston University School of Law. He was the president of the American Jewish Congress, co-founder of TaxAid, which offered free tax preparation services, and co-founder of San Francisco Transitional Housing Fund, which is a program that helps the unhoused find housing. He was a good man. Jack Scully was 28. He was a lawyer at Pettit and Martin, and he had just gotten married to the love of his life, Michelle, in Hawaii a year prior to the shooting. Michelle was actually visiting John at work for lunch when the shooting happened. He used his body to shield hers when the shooter came down the hallway. John's, John sadly lost his life, but saved his wife's in doing so. He graduated from Gonzaga and then from University of San Francisco for his law degree. He shielded his wife. That's a, that's a damn good man right there. That's real love. That was the love story I was talking about. Happy Valentine's Day. Never had that. Jace, I'll jump in front of someone. Did you say you? Did you just tell JC you jump in front of someone? Mm-hmm. Okay, I asked. Uh, I have. What? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I have no one to say that too. So I asked Dalton if he would shield me and he said, well, I wouldn't just stand there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he was like, I'm like, I, I would like run at him or something. I was like, so that, that wasn't a yes. <laughs> I mean, if he's running at him, technically he is shooting you yeah he's like isn't that better unless you're dumb. i was like i don't know right. if that is I mean, unless you're dumb enough unless you're dumb enough just to stand there and watch him be a shield and then he goes down and then now your line of defense is gone yeah that that'd be that'd be even more tragic 
if someone gave themselves up as a shield for you, but you just stood there and watched, <laughs> and then you went down next, I would come back from the dead. And, yeah. Whenever we were at if the I gates of heaven together, I'd if, look at you and be like, wow, I, I can't believe yeah, I'm here. standing in line. I look back and I see you. I'm going to do a double take. I said, this bitch. I know that who I think it is, guy. <laughs> so I was like, how the fuck did you die? She said, he shot me right after you. I said, he didn't move, bitch. <laughs> oh. Jesus but, Christ. yes, I mean, they just got married. Do you think this is the rest of you? You're in that, like, honeymoon phase. Mar- married in Hawaii. 28. He was 28 years old. Yeah. Almost our age. Yeah. Dalton's age. Damn, he's old. (laughs) David Sutcliffe was 30. He was just an intern at Pettit and Martin for the summer as he completed law school at the University of Colorado. Deborah Fogel, 30. She was a legal secretary at Davis Wright and Tremaine, which had offices on another floor. Donald Mike Merrill, he was an energy industry consultant at the Trust Company of the West, which had offices on another floor. Alan J. Burke, 52. He was a partner at Pettit and Martin and well-known and highly respected in the San Francisco legal community. He attended City University of New York and graduated with his law degree from George Washington University. And Shirley Moser, 64, a legal secretary at the Trust Company of the West, which has offices on another floor. Among the eight that lost their lives, there were also six that were injured. Michelle Scully, 27, she was visiting her husband, John Scully, at work for lunch when the shooting started. He used his body to shield her and lost his life in doing so. Sharon Jones Oroke, 35, she was in-house counsel for the company that Jody Supposado was suing. She was in the deposition and was actually the first person to be shot in the shooting. Deanna, Deanna Eves, 33, she was the court reporter for the Jody supposado deposition deposition victoria smith was 41 brian f berger 39 charles ross 42. the shooter was soon identified as 55 year old ethiopian gian luigi ferry he immigrated to the united states on the 4th of july 1964 and tried to live the american dream by pursuing get rich quick schemes mostly through real estate, but in in the 1980s, he left the Bay Area for some time because accusations arose of him misappropriating funds. In 1981, 12 years before the shooting, Ferry reached out to Pettit and Martin about helping helping him in a real estate deal. However, the deal was taking place in the Midwest, so the law firm connected him to someone more local to the deal that could help him. This was literally the only interaction Ferry had with Pettit and Martin. So the true motives behind the shootings are still unknown. 
No one understands why over a decade later, this man showed up to a law firm that really didn't work on a case with him and started shooting. Hmm. But at the time of his death, Barry had a bailing mortgage business, eviction notices on his apartment, and $9 to his name. Oh. Through the investigation, police found multiple writings that seemed to just ramble, seemed to ramble and were very incoherent. And in one, he complained about Pettit and Martin saying the firm had, quote, raped him in the deal huh? 12 years before. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's a hypothetical. Yeah, 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 I got you. But I even the you, hypothetical doesn't make sense because he called them. They literally said, your deal's in the Midwest. Go ask a Midwest firm. And that's how he thought they, they hypothetically raped them? I guess. I didn't scout. I did this. Yeah, it was just crazy from the get Hypothetical rape is an interesting term. <laughs> Then he complained, uh, so in this letter, so he, he said that the firm raped him. Then he complained about attorneys in general and finally closed the writing with a list of criminals, rapists, racketeers, and lobbyists. Essentially what looked like a hit list, except none of the victims were actually on this list. No one can see you shaking your head. Oh, I'm shaking my head, people. Shaking my shake, head. shake, 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 shake. <laughs> Other writings described how he would go on shows like Oprah and Jerry Springer after the shootings, which indicated that Barry had not planned to die. The police don't think that was his plan, was to kill himself. Also, how delusional do you have to be to think that you can commit a mass shooting and then Jerry Springer... And get away with it? No. Yeah. I don't think he planned to get or, away with it. I think he wanted to go, go on Jerry on Springer TV. and talk about it. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. And Oprah. Jerry. Like, you think these people want to talk? Like, okay. So they don't think he planned to die. This was further corroborated by a security guard's witness statement. Messengers going between offices in the building often put the elevator in emergency stop so that they could run off quickly and get back on fast. So the morning of the shooting, the security guard noticed that the elevator was emergency stopped on the 34th floor and figured it was like one of the messengers. So he released it. It's widely believed that Ferry was the one to put the elevator in emergency stop. So when he came back and saw his escape plan gone, he panicked and went to the stairs. And then he realized the police was coming in and panicked that he hadn't got out of the building. However, our story does not end here. In most mass shootings today, the aftermath is primarily a lot of people saying, our thoughts and prayers are with the victims' families or thoughts and prayers with the community. You know, the same yada yada, but nothing actually changes. Not in this case. This was still a rarity in America. And, okay, so at the time in 1993, this a mass shooting was a rarity in America. Uh -huh. Like I said, it wasn't like 
commonplace like it is today. And the families of the victims wanted change. To start, high-rise office buildings started having more security, including badges and security checks. The police and first responders also came under fire for not having an adequate response. SFPD and the help of SWAT teams developed the way to handle shootings in high-rise buildings, which is what we see now on TV. They go room by room to clear floor by floor, working your way up instead of just running around and hoping you run into the shooter. And that's like other, like most major cities at the time did not have any type of like high rise shooting evacuation plan protocol. So most cities have adopted this way of executing this type of response room by room, floor by floor. More importantly were the legislative changes that arose from the shooting. Because weirdly, a shooting, a mass shooting occurred and everyone in America was like, hey, we should do something to stop this in the future. So legislation came out of it. It's weird how that happens. Crazy. The day after the shooting, Steve... Soposado, the husband of Jody Soposado, wrote a letter to President Bill Clinton condemning the guns used in the shooting. In fact, four years earlier, California had passed a bill that banned assault weapons, which included the Tech 9's ferry use. However, he bought his in Nevada. Mm. Carol Kingsley, who was now a widow and a mother of a 15-month-year-old, gave the, she was uh, Jack Berman's wife, gave the rabbi permission to speak on the problem of guns at her husband's service. One year after the shooting, there was a federal ban on assault weapons. Crazy how that happens. <laughs> the most compelling testimony at the Sir Senate hearing came from Steve's. Okay, so they're trying to get this legislation passed to ban assault weapons. So, you know, they're doing all the, the Senate things, the Senate hearings, all those things that you, you have to sit through. Let me read you this. Okay, so... So Steve Supposado spoke at this hearing. He has his 10-month-year-old, 10-month-year-old, 10-month-old daughter strapped to him, testifying to the Senate about, you know, having bans on assault weapons. I know, okay, one minute. I have what he said somewhere. It was, oh, it's right here. I want to read to you what he said. It was really good. Okay, so here's what he said in his testimony. Quote, can any, of you, can any of you advise me how to tell a 10-month-old that mommy's dead? Perhaps oh. the manufacturer of the Intratech Tech DC-9 assault weapon should publish this information with the instruction manual for its murderous weapon. Oh, 
He he trying to get deep. I mean, well, that's his situation. Yeah. Is that just I don't know. That's a deep. Yeah. What do you think, Malik? Just trying to make So, you know, that quote from Steve basically got that bill passed. Made some bill. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, it turns out if you show up to court to the Senate with your 10-month-old and say, "Can anyone explain to my daughter why her mother's not here?" Kind of makes a statement. The shock effect. Yeah. Really making a statement there. I mean, I can just feel mm. it gives me chills. I just can feel the chills from it. So the legislation passed. No one kind of thought it was going to, but it did. Banned assault weapons. California also created hundreds of ordinances surrounding gun ownership. California strengthened their assault weapons ban, and assault weapons were manufactured less. The families of the victims also sued the gun manufacturer for negligence in the deaths of their loved ones in Merrill versus Navgar, Inc. in 2001, which was the first of its kind. No one had sued a gun manufacturer before. They had several different claims. First, that Navgar knew the Tech 9 was a military assault style gun and had no benefits for supporting for sporting or self-defense. Therefore, should not have been sold to the general public. This is where we're going to get on to all the law stuff and it kind of gets confusing, so stick with me. Okay. So they are basically saying, "Hey, this is a military grade assault weapon. Doesn't need to be sold to the public." like not made for the public. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only intent is to kill someone. The end. Secondly, they claim Navgar knew that their product was attractive to chemical to chemicals, attractive to criminals. Mm-hmm. Especially when it could be modified with a high capacity magazine and hellfire trigger system. So kind of the same claim that the law and order episode was making that they knew that what it was being used for and did not really do anything about it. Did they, did he buy it straight from the manufacturer? No, he bought it at Guncho. Oh, but still it should have not been even at that Guncho. Well, they're saying it shouldn't even be available to the public. Like no one needs this style of a gun. Yeah. Yeah, it should have even been there in the first place because it shouldn't be on the market or anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In fact, Navgar, they said that Navgar liked the rebel reputation the Tech 9 had, that it had this like CD background, CD reputation, and acknowledged that it increased their sales. Thirdly, they were claiming that Navgar violated the California Assault Weapons Control Act, which was California had already banned assault weapons, remember, in back four years ago. Mm-hmm. And so they said that Navgar violated this by advertising the gun in California. They didn't sell it, but they advertised. 
Yeah. Which was a factor in Ferry choosing the Tech Nine for the massacre. But mostly the families were arguing that Navgar was negligent by just making the Tech Nine available for to the public. That was their main thing. And then all of this was just additional. Mm-hmm. Navgar's lawyers basically said you can't prove that Ferry saw the advertisements and then went. That's why he bought the gun. You can't, they couldn't prove that the advertisements were the driving force. Yeah. Like, I wonder, like, if they told him where they could buy on their billboard or whatever. I don't know. I mean, can't buy in California. What do they say? Go to Nevada? It's like, closest shop is whatchamacallit, oh, yeah. whatever. Like, next stop. Take nine shot. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? So this went all the way. I mean, it was in, you know, the regular courts. They dismissed it. The families appealed. The appeal court were like, yes, you have reason to appeal. Went all the way to the Supreme Court. The California Supreme Court. Not the United States, not the federal one, but the California State Supreme Court. The court ruled in favor of NAVGAR because the leg- there's legislation that says gun manufacturers cannot be held liable on the, ba- quote, on the basis that the benefits of its product do not outweigh the risk of injury posed by the product's potential to cause serious injury, damage, or death when discharged. So my interpretation of this was basically saying that the Supreme Court basically said gun, the legislation says that gun manufacturers cannot be held liable for their product. Mm-hmm. While the families did lose this lawsuit, California did repeal the law that granted gun manufacturers immunity and NAFGAR did go out of business. Good. It is good, but it's funny how we still haven't solved the assault. And now we have AKs. Hey, I guess it's a freaking, I guess it's the most impossible thing to figure out, I guess. And at this time, okay, so there, I, I, there's so much more legislation and background and court stuff. There's so much activism going on surrounding this, but even before the shooting, like literally not long before the shooting this bill was already kind of proposed i don't know all the legality terms please forgive me but the brady it was already in talk. the brady bill was already in talked and already proposed the brady mm-hmm. bill is the one that imposes of okay so it's the one that requires federal mandated federal background checks on firearm purchasers Mm -hmm. so it's the one that said you have to have a background check and then it also imposed a five-day waiting period on purchases until they got that background back yeah so that was uh let me find the date it was enacted on november 30th 1993 the shooting happened july so it was yeah it was proposed a little bit before the shooting happened and everyone was like now we kind of do gotta yeah do something so 
a lot of people would say that we'll tie those two things, the Brady Bill and the shooting together. The Brady Bill was already in the works before it. I, I think the shooting maybe just sped it the just, process or maybe yeah, made it like easier to pass. It. And, yeah. and it didn't have as many. I mean, it's easy to say no to a bill when you don't think anything truly bad is happening and then something bad happened and then everyone's like, maybe we do need it. Mm-hmm. But not anymore. Not today. In today's world. These families and those affected still did not give up. Partners at Pettit and Martin, Chuck, oh, I'm going to say your name wrong, Chuck, I'm sorry, Yorick and John Hesse founded Legal Community Against Violence, which is a nonprofit dedicated to providing legal support to those that want to fight gun violence. This first started out, like it just started out in San Francisco and then moved throughout the whole state of California. In 2001, LCAV transformed into Firearms Law Center, where people could go to learn about firearm regulations and get help drafting new regulations. I believe they have a new name now. Let me find it here. Okay. Uh, It's now known as Gifford's Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence. Two years after the shooting, Pettit and Martin closed down, but many of the lawyers and partners working at Pettit and Martin remained a part of the LCAV and take a lot of pride in the beautiful organization that stemmed from a tragedy. And that is the story of a mass shooting where changes were actually made to hopefully prevent the tragedy from happening again. Good story, Ken. Good story. Let's talk. Do you think gun manufacturers should be held responsible? Do you think they should be able to be sued? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. That's a slippery no. slope. I kind of like shooting the shooting the messenger. I. Agree. It's like. It's like a bad. It's like a bad like what is it comparison? But it's kind of like people trying to sue like fast food joints or whatever for like, that's not a bad comparison that's i think that's pretty accurate A-Rod. fast food not for like, what for like them being fat and dying of like obesity yeah like, you can't makes... like they're just making the product i think if you can prove that they knowingly like in the law and order can... episode there was a memo, I know this is fictional, but there was a memo that they knew that there was a defect in their gun that allowed it to easily be changed into an automatic. And they didn't, they decided not to do anything because their cells were better because of it. My only thing is if he would have bought it straight from the manufacturer, that's one thing. But the, but he bought it. But he bought it from a what did he buy it from? Like a a gun show. A gun, a gun show. show. But the manufacturers, I think, the only way to hold a gun manufacturer responsible is if you can prove that they're doing, running, 
what is it like Ill illegal what am i trying to say like have illegal business practices i think mm -hmm. you can sue them then i think and that and that's legal i mean you can do that if you can prove it but the problem is is proving the problem is is that they're putting military grade weapons out to the public yeah Well, also back then, who would have thought, like, now, yeah, but then who would have thought, oh, they're going to change it and, and use it for a mass shooting Right. back then? I get that, and then we got some change. However, why is it still happening? Why can't teens, why can 18-year-olds buy a, an AR-style gun who in the state of Texas? in this country needs an ak who needs that what for why just because like i don't know because so here's my my thing on it if people in the military can have certain obviously we don't need certain ak's or certain guns right but if people in the military can have it then we should have you know right to bear arms and all that stuff to me it's a safety thing like, you don't think a lot about, like, the government turning on you, but it is kind of, like, a scary thing, the fact that you don't have anything, and they have everything. Yeah, and I'm not saying there needs... People don't think about, like, think about that. If, right? People don't think about that. That's why I don't think, like, the option of just taking it all away, kind of like how the UK does, That I don't like that option. I'm not yeah. saying that there needs to be... I don't know my thoughts and opinion on a total gun ban, and I, I don't know if I would want to say. I think we just need to start by how are people getting a hold of military-grade assault rifles, and how can we prevent that? Start there. And then if people want to duke it out over handguns and rifles, go for it. But in reality what we hear about all the time the gun causing the damage is an assault rifle i mean it's not a handgun it's not a pistol it's not a rifle it's military grade assault weapons yeah i just don't know man i just don't know how i how i feel yeah. i would say so my thing is i don't really care to like take any of them away but I would say there should be like a more regular check, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like if you buy like an AR or whatever, an AK, well, then you have to like do like, I don't know, like it can be quick. Just something well, where you have to go see someone, then they know that you're in your right mind. Wasn't, you wasn't, I don't know if it was like the state of Texas or the US, weren't they trying to pass like, you had to take a, like a psyche valve to own? Yeah. I can guarantee you yeah. it wasn't Texas. Would we? Would Somebody we, said, we were in the conversation. Were we? I'm kind but, of surprised. Yeah, I don't know. See, but. this subject has always been iffy for me because one, I don't own a gun. Two, the sh shootings has never affected me personally, so I don't really like to talk about things that hasn't affected me personally. But also, I see both sides on it. I see why some people still want to keep their rights, and other, and I see why we need to change some things. Yeah, I, I think me. I think the psyche valve is fair, like the regular psyche valve. You can't just do it like when you first get the gun just because people change, right? Things happen in life. 
but I doing it regularly is fair. I just don't like the idea of like other people having something and I don't have it. But how do you regulate my problem? I have two problems. My one, how did and then you have to eliminate like the illegal weapons in map. You have to kind of eliminate mass shootings to me when you think about it because if they want to do it, they're going to find a way to get the gun. Whether my thing is. Hey, when you turn 18, you can buy a gun, but you can't buy a pack of smokes. That's my thing. And I think that's completely wrong that they should raise the age of can, like having a, a gun. I don't disagree with thing. that. If we can't drink and we can't smoke until we're 21. Because they said 21 is when your brain is fully developed, right? I guess. I think for boys it's like 24 25 actually something like but still like i i could when i turned 18 i could have bought an ar style gun but i couldn't smoke or drink because that could end up killing you oh we get we can get in all that but we could be here all night i think all that yeah yeah and out. i i mean i because it makes no sense to me i yeah, don't have but... all of the answers politically like what we should do i don't know i'm not even gonna go there of like I don't I don't know what the right answer is. All I know is that fucking mass shootings happen all the time and everyone's response is thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Praying for you. You wear this color, you donate here. And it doesn't stop. And something needs to change. And I don't know what it is, yeah. but Yeah. I mean, we can't yeah. obviously praying about it isn't working <laughs> yeah i agree something should be different i just don't i just think the hard pull of people's guns wouldn't go over very well and i don't know yeah. if we'll ever get i mean that is the toughest battle to fight and i don't know if we'll get to the point where totally no gun but i think we can get stronger gun control whatever that looks like Like I said, I'm I'm all for just like the the checkup. But how do you and, regulate that? Like the if you like, so when you buy it, you have to like register it when you buy it, right? So they know you have it, and then if you don't come like get your eval or whatever, then kind of like anything like if you're on probation, basically, and they can come find you at your address. So how long? Whatever. How long do you have until you have to renew your license? You don't, if you live in Texas, you don't have to even have a license. You have to have one to open carry, but you don't have to have one to, you don't have to have one to, or you don't have to have one to open carry. You have to have one to conceal carry, technically. Because I was about to say, like, let's say you had a license and it expires. Probably every time you, your, your, like, carry license, whatever, expires, you have to do another psyche valve. Yeah. Like I said, just to make sure. You're you're all there because at the end of the day, if someone wants to do it. They're gonna they're gonna do it whether they have to get the gun illegally or not. That's why yeah. I think taking them away isn't really gonna be that effective. Because one thing that people don't talk about is the percentage of like those guns that are obtained illegally. Like they're it's not they're not their guns. Some of them right. are, but a lot of them aren't. Or they took someone else's gun. No, not necessarily. They just know. went to the store and got it. I want to know that company who the Uvalde shooter bought his guns from. I wonder if they try to sue that company because he bought yeah. it from a website. 
Hmm. You can't. There's legislation. Only California overturned it. That's probably the first thing California got right. Yeah, and California got a lot right because they got they had like pretty strict gun control laws. They got pretty strict everything. I mean, California's right and depends on what you want them to be right about, right? right? Yeah. I mean, but that's a whole different story yeah. about Cali. Yeah. And talk about how they need to clean their streets up. Yeah, I mean, they have their own sets of problems. Texas has its own sets of problems. But you know something we need to talk about, though, Ken? The comparisons between the story and the episode. Yeah. What you think about it? Would you like to make those comparisons, A-Rod? Yeah, A-Rod. I think, obviously, the biggest factor, I think, was them trying to sue the gun manufacturer, which I think that's why you chose the uh the story so i think that was pretty spot on i mean the killing wise and all that was not the same but i didn't expect that i think just the court case wise was pretty spot on it was i mean they were kind of arguing the same things that Mm -hmm. the gun manufacturer knownly put a weapon that was meant to kill yeah yeah and but it just i think obviously from the episode it didn't lead to a new it didn't lead to a new law like a new whatever but the real story did yeah yeah it was you should watch the law and order episode it was good there are a lot of similarities between like the court case uh in real life and the other court case like what they were arguing and fighting for and that the gun can easily be transformed and the gun manufacturer knows it and likes it. Yeah. So that was this week's episode. Dark three or episode three in the dark ages, Kins. I know. Dark stage. I know. And the next one is not better. (laughs) I'm going to get a therapist, man. We'll get there. We'll get there. Hello, darkness, my old friend. That's our theme song for these. I think there's two more dark episodes, and then we'll get to one that's not as dark. I was say, can't say happy because none of these are happy. I they can't no. be happy. It's not. It's it's a white collar crime. I like a good white collar crime. Mm. I don't think anyone will die. You don't think. Huh? All right. Do y'all want to guess next week's episode? Let's see. Last week it was um, I think wasn't it like SVU last week? Last week was Criminal Minds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The week before was CSI. Awesome. Yeah, 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 the week before that was SVU, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. We going to SVU. Well, no, you said white collar. Everybody. And then before this, you won it was CSI two, Miami. White, white collars in two weeks. So we've got two more dark episodes. Give me give me east or west. Where Where's the show located? East or west? East. East. Hmm. Hmm. Don't tell me it's NCIS. No. 
Okay, thank the Lord. Okay, Malik. Mm, SVU. It is SVU. Tell him, but he won. As you we... want a chance to be the host next week. Yeah, you want to. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and we're watching SVU season nine, episode four, Savant? Savant? S A V A N T? Savant? S A B. No, S A V. Like a violin. A N T? Oh, Savant? Savant. That sounds like a word. Yeah, I was like, I think it's Savant. Savant. Oh, what does that so mean? Stables. Like to be like a savant at something. Let's uh, look it up. Kind of like being good or elegant with something. All right. S A. Well, this is a This is a season nine like, episode, so you know it's going to be in like prime time SVU era. It's a very learned or talented person. All right. That's in, in the field of science or arts. All right. I have no idea. I don't remember this. I feel like once I watch this one, I'm going to know what it is. Like, it, like as soon as it, that didn't make sense. As soon as I start it, I'm going to know what it is. But just from the name, I can't I, remember. But it does seem I just familiar. Stabler's in it. Stabler's in it. Season nine, baby. Who's watching SVU? Might as well watch it tonight. This is probably also one of the ones where Stabler, this is probably in the era where Stabler and his wife weren't on good terms. And we, we might have had together. It. Yeah. Yeah. The whole leave, time, I leaves, felt bad for that man. I think he leaves season 10. No, he leaves so, season yeah. thir- or 13. 13. He leaves a, season 13. About I don't remember. 13. But yeah. But he was yeah. back with his wife by then, I think. Mm-hmm. I get like why him and his wife break up, but at the same time, I, I feel bad for him. I, I don't get it at the same time. But also, he got I feel bad for the wife. Her <laughs> husband's in love with someone else. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't. They don't get into that till later. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, my husband's best oh, friend is not seen... me. <laughs> Yo, y'all didn't see season twenty-four, right? Of SVU. Okay, nah, we yeah. gotta know. I mean, I already know that Olivia and Stabler get together. No, 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 no. You want me to tell y'all? No, 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 no. Because no, no. I'm going to watch it. Bro, but that's the thing with y'all. Y'all like to start from the way beginning. This started in season 24. Hey, man, I'm on like season, like, I think I'm on 12. So Bro, I got by the time y'all there. get to season 24, 25, where you going to be in season 35? I'm going to, I'll All start right. at 20, I'll start at 22. Just somewhere I'm, close. I'm going to start at 16. Man. Like I'm not telling you to watch a whole organized crimes, a whole criminal intent spinoffs, all that. Where all does Carisi and um, uh, what's her name's love story begin? Amanda's, Rollins. Like when they start dating? And no, all no, that? no, not when they officially start dating, but when they have their like after she sleeps with cool. Amaro, she slept with him, right? It's like in the twenties. Yeah, I want to start from there. They're like friendship before they were a thing. No, that was like. That had to be like 16, That's like 17. 16, 17. Yeah, because she, That's it was like after Amaro left because she slept with Amaro. Yeah. Well, and yeah. she sleeps with a dude at like a hotel and he sees her. That's when he like, get, that's when he gets his feelings. Well, and then, well, he had, wait, then she has the baby. No. Yeah, Carisi sees her. They are working like something together at a motel. 
and she sees like he sees like the dude leave her motel room. Oh, I do remember that they like get drunk together. Yeah. Well, she had that uh she had that baby with that big fat guy. Oh yeah, and then she had a couple of babies. She only had one without Carisi. She's kind of a little slut. But Carisi's Car- not the father of one of her children. Oh, yeah. She only has two. Yeah, I'm just what I'm saying. And one of them's, one of them's that fat guy. The other lady, the other one's Carisi. No, it's neither one of them are Carisi's babies. Are you sure? Yeah. Unless... I thought that was just speculation. Unless... No, didn't she sleep with no, some... Uh, Ar- maybe, Ar- maybe Ar- I'm trying to trying to do it away. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to get it, you son of a bitch. No, I thought... We'll find out. No, what about we'll the... find out next. All right, y'all. We'll leave it right there. Thank y'all for uh, coming back to Crime on Primetime. I'm Aaron. That's Kenzie. That's Malik. We'll see y'all next week. Signing yeah, out. And hit the theme music. <laughs> We're signing out. I can't believe you tried to just ruin